Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. The word of God from the Old Testament reading in Exodus chapter 8. The magicians tried by their secret arts to produce gnats, but they could not. So there were gnats on man and beast. Then the magician said to Pharaoh, this is the finger of God. This is God's word. We often look at the Old Testament as a book of heroes. People who are examples for us. We think of Noah and how he listened to the Lord and built an ark to save his family and the animals with him. Moses, who went into Egypt and performed signs and wonders. David, who stood toe-to-toe with Goliath and slew him with his sling. Daniel, who allowed himself to be tossed into the den of lions. And it is true that in some ways these people serve as examples for us. But make no mistake about it, there is really one hero in the Old Testament. That is the Lord God himself. He is the one who acts on behalf of his people. He is the one who goes toe to toe with the enemies of Israel. He is the one who acts on their behalf. The book of Exodus begins with describing the plight of the Israelites, how they had increased in number and how they were enslaved. And we read at the end of chapter 2 that God heard their groaning. God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. God saw the people of Israel and God knew. He's the God who saw, remembered, knew their plight and then did something about it. He said to Moses at the burning bush, I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians. Who is the deliverer of Israel out of the hands of Egypt? It's not Moses. It's not Aaron. It's the Lord God himself who certainly works through people, who certainly uses sinful human beings to accomplish his plans. But keep this in mind. He's the hero. And if the Lord God himself is on the side of Israel, if he is on Israel's side, who can even think to stand against Israel? Can Pharaoh? Can Pharaoh's magicians? Can Satan himself stand against God's people when the Lord fights for them? Our Old Testament reading from Exodus chapter 8 serves as a reminder of how the Lord God is more powerful 
than the enemies of Israel. But it also serves to remind us who that enemy is. I mean, yes, Egypt was an enemy of God's people, Israel. Pharaoh was an enemy of God's people, Israel. But who's the one who really is afflicting Israel? You see it in these magicians who the text tells us tried to use their secret arts to copy the Lord's signs. Secret arts, what we learn in the catechism as witchcraft or satanic arts. Really, though we see Israel being attacked by Egypt, it's Satan himself who's at work here. It's Satan's power that these magicians are trying to harness to go toe-to-toe with God. Because power that does not come from God himself can only be of the devil. And the thing you need to keep in mind here is leading up to this point, these magicians, they've been able to copy the signs that Moses and Aaron were producing. So when Aaron's staff is thrown on the ground and it turns into a serpent... The magicians throw their staffs on the ground and they likewise turn into serpents. Though the one that had been Aaron's staff swallows up all the other ones. When Aaron's staff turned the Nile River into blood, the magicians were able to do it as well. When a plague of frogs was sent across the land of Egypt, the magicians could likewise produce frogs. And so you might be tempted to think for a moment that Satan can go toe-to-toe with the Lord God. But by the time we get to the plague of gnats, which we read about in our reading today, what a plague that must have been. The staff of Aaron would touch the dust of the earth and all the dust of the land of Egypt would turn to gnats on every man and beast. And those magicians of Pharaoh are unable to replicate what the Lord God has done. They can only confess this is the finger of God. Because God's power matched up against all the powers of earth, all the powers of Satan himself, the Lord God always overcomes. Simply, as it were, by the touch of a finger. We're reminded something about the power of Satan. Because I think we as Christians tend to fall into one of two camps. And they're both wrong. On the one hand, there are those among us who act as though the power of Satan is not really something we need to worry about. We don't pay much mind to it. 
We stand ignorant to the ways in which Satan is deceiving the world in which we live. We are ignorant to the ways in which Satan is attacking our culture, attacking our families, attacking our churches, attacking the very word of God itself. In our epistle from Ephesians chapter 5, St. Paul talks about the seriousness, for example, of sexual sin, sexual immorality. And, and that those who give in to that, they risk losing their inheritance in the kingdom of heaven. Try talking about sexual sin in our world today, though. Do not kid yourself and think that somehow that Satan is not at work among us. But then on the other hand, there are those who throw their hands up in despair as though somehow Satan is running around unchecked and that the world is literally going to hell in a handbasket and that there's nothing that can be done about Satan's power. Because we do indeed see evil and wickedness around every corner. We see the destruction of things that are good and right in our world. And we mistakenly assume that somehow Satan's won the day. Of course, neither is completely true. Satan, yes, is real. And he is a threat. But his power is broken by the finger of God. Through a simple touch from your Lord God, all of Satan's power is undone. Jesus, strangely enough, quotes those Egyptian magicians in our gospel today. Did you catch it? It was those magicians who said, this is the finger of God that has done this. Jesus himself says, if it is by the finger of God that I cast out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Satan is real and at work. And Jesus is the finger of God that breaks his power. I heard a pastor once who specializes in the area of exorcism. And that might sound weird that there are pastors, Lutheran pastors, who perform exorcisms. Because remember, the power of Satan is real. Demons are real. But Jesus has power over them. And this pastor reminded the group of pastors at this conference that really, our whole service is filled with exorcisms. That God is breaking the power of the devil by means of a, a touch over and over again. We're used to talking about what God has done for us in Jesus Christ and his work on the cross, the salvation he's given to us. We talk about it in terms of forgiveness of sins, 
For example, we say Jesus died on the cross for the forgiveness of my sins. And that, of course, is true. We say that Christ died on the cross and because of that, I have eternal life. And of course, that is true. But it is also equally true that we can say that Jesus died on the cross and did so to break the power of the devil. Because where Jesus Christ is dead for sinners, Satan has no power there. When God touched you in the waters of holy baptism, he broke the devil's power. When God touched you this morning by forgiving your sins in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, he sent the devil fleeing. And as he touches you this morning in the body and blood of Christ given and shed for you, he once again breaks Satan's power and Satan has no hold over those who are in Christ and who are where Christ is found. Jesus' death for sinners, his death for you, was the stake that was driven into the head of the serpent. And by God's touch, the devil's power is broken. And you, new Israel, have the Lord God on your side. He fights for you. He does battle with the devil for you. He overcomes Satan's power for you. Because he, the Lord Jesus Christ, is your hero your victor, your champion over your enemy. Amen. The peace of God which passes all understanding keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.